Hey, we have someone new on the call, Jason. Jason, how, how are you? Your headset looks awesome, amazing. You just set up ready to go with this, this meeting. Um, Jason, I'd love if you could share about your organization, just introduce yourself and let everybody know, um, yeah, about Aspire. Sure, uh, so my name is Jason Williams. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, we founded the Aspire movement in 2011. Uh, we started with 13 mentor student matches in one school. Um, today we have over 250 mentor student matches that spread out over 25 different schools. And uh, the idea is we equip mentors uh, to develop the next generation of leaders through mutually transforming relationships. So it's um, really, not about the you know mentors only teaching and instructing and opening up their network but it's the mentors listening learning um and really you know gleaning gleaning from our students who have much to offer so uh based off of uh mercy streets model in dallas we visited there in 2010 and then we just took a year to kind of think through what does that look like in in birmingham alabama and so I'm just excited to uh meet people that are like-minded that are kind of operating in the same space and um just hear what you guys are doing in the midst of the Rona. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Jason, we're so glad y'all are jumping in. And uh, Tyree's with Mercy Street, so you're in good company. Hi, how are you doing? Um, and then to introduce everybody else, Donovan and Peter, they're a part of the Christian Association of Youth Mentoring. And so they provide consulting and uh, just best practices for mentoring organizations like us. And then Impact Pendleton, uh, obviously Danae's headed out, but... Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, believe the rest of your team is staying, right? Yeah, so I am um, transitioning out through September. Jordan is actually going to be our next executive director. So awesome. congratulations to Jordan. Um, who's, she's been with us for 10 months now. And so um, anyway, and uh, Annalise, is, this is actually her second day. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she is with us as a summer vista, um, planning summer events. And so this is like very topical and hopefully, um, I mean, she's full of amazing ideas, um, but also a good chance to kind of hear what everybody else is doing this summer too. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for jumping on. Hey, Jill. Hey, Ken. How are you guys doing? Jill's with Mercy Street. Derek. Derek, Derek's with FACT Mentoring, right? You are correct, sir. FACT in Oklahoma City. My man. I've been seeing uh, everything y'all been doing up there. Uh, uh, it's been busy. fun. Well, that's good, man. Well, let's get started with our questions. I had three questions for us just to go over. Just to remind everybody, we're all like-minded, Christian, faith-based mentoring organization leaders. So the idea of this think tank is just to build relationships with one another and share best practices as well as share what we're doing so that we can all be better to serve the kids that we're serving and the families that we're serving. So um, I'm excited. And if you think of anyone that would be interested in joining these calls, um, please just let us know. Um, if they get to a certain amount, we'll probably break out into breakout rooms. Um, I'm sure you've probably seen that feature of Zoom just so you can share more and get to know people better. Um, but I wanna jump into our three questions. Um, the first question was just, what is the biggest challenge your organization is facing this summer? Obviously, there are a lot of challenges um, to cover, but I would love just to go around the room and share what, what is your one big challenge that you're facing this summer as an organization? So I think similar with everyone, um, just 
challenges related to coronavirus. Um, certainly, I, I would say throughout the coronavirus months, um, just mentor morale has been the biggest challenge. Um, and so since March, um, since we've been locked down, um, that's been our priority is just really trying to help our mentors stay engaged and um, continue connections. And um, I, I will say uh, that was really our, our number one concern that we identified and, we, and when we made a kind of coronavirus contingency plan in March, um, I'll say I, I've been encouraged that so many mentors get the importance of, of leaning in in the hard time and have done a great job. Um, but I guess uh, from my perspective, that's the scariest thing is, um, you know, even yesterday we had about three mentors that Jordan connected with that finally like had a breakthrough and were able to get back in touch and things like that. So that was huge. Um, but, you know, just still a few mentors that are just on the brink of like, I've been trying for three months now. I still can't really make connection and I'm just tired of that <laughs> and so um, that's that's the biggest danger that that I see um, is just that that weariness that we all feel with where we're at in life right now <laughs> and um, and and hoping that we can provide mentors with the encouragement that they need to continue I, uh, I think encouragement is something that I've been thinking about is how can I encourage my mentors in this season to affirm again that they're such a integral part of their kid's life, even if it feels like they're in a situation where they're being prevented from making the greatest impact. And so I think, I think that's huge, Danae. Um, Derek, how about you? What, what's one challenge your org is facing um, that you could share about? Definitely, so uh, we uh, are pretty unique in that our police officers are the ones that are doing the mentoring. And so uh, on behalf of Oklahoma City Police Department, uh, continuing to build those relationships in the community uh, has become even more important considering the climate. Uh, and so uh, at a time where people are slowing down, uh, we actually sped up uh, because they wanted us uh, to, to not only continue those relationships, but to use those relationships, to leverage those relationships to build other relationships. And so it's, uh, it's been very unique. One of the things that we've been able to do is we implemented something called the porch tour. And so this allowed us to continue to interact with our kids, uh, but we show up with snacks and food and uh, things like that. And uh, we practice social distancing in their front yards. Uh, so we bring our chairs, we keep three, four chairs uh, in our trunks and we show up and we interact. And uh, one of the cool things about this is that people see police officers hanging out in the front yards of their neighbors. And so normally when, when we show up, it's something bad, but it's all good, right? And so now we're making neighbors with neighbors, which is cool. So uh, in a time where we've seen programs kind of halt, uh, uh, we've seen uh, a slight increase in visibility and relationship. Another thing that we did was uh, we delivered boxes of activities to our kids that would come to the community centers. Um, and uh, we created these YouTube videos uh, to carry the lessons that they would normally get in our community centers on Monday and Tuesday nights. And so <clears throat> the, the, one of the, problems or challenges or issues for us is uh, everybody um, wants to have the police officers come out to show their communities and their, and their kids how cool police officers are, but the city of Oklahoma City only has four fact officers. And um, we're spread out across Zooms and racial reconciliation meetings and board meetings and community centers and uh, sitting on panels. And uh, it's, been, it's been fun, but it's been busy. Uh, and so the, the, the plight now is community 
policing during this time is important, but now we're being stretched a little thin uh, just because there's only so many of us. So we love the attention. Um, even though initially it was negative, we get a chance to spin uh, what people think about police officers, especially as it pertains to youth on the northeast side and southeast sides of Oklahoma City. So just being spread a little thin, uh, we have the privilege of growing and being our presence increased in this time, but there's only four of us. Yeah. Derek, is that something that's consistent uh, with the summer? Is that you guys see an up ramp or is that um, inconsistent? I just want to check with you and, and your yeah. mind. It's a, it's, it's a lateral step, if we're using stepping as the analogy. <laughs> um, and so normally we have our Monday, Tuesday nights, which are really big things. Uh, and then we partner with other organizations in the community to use our facility. And we leverage that partnership to expose their participants to police officers. But during the summer, it's much more uh, field trip. It's much more exposure and experience base. It's much more evenings instead of uh, the days which you would expect for uh, summer participants. Uh, and then we have leadership opportunities uh, for our kids as well. So the numbers, um, they, they tend to stay the same. They just manifest in a different area. Gotcha. Well, that's super helpful. And just to, I mean, just hear kind of a different model than I think most of the people in the room, but it's interesting uh, to think about certain aspects of your mentoring organization could ramp up if your model is, uh, is similar to that kind of community-based and I know obviously there's something related to being a part of the police department and that is already something about community advocacy that gives you a, a platform to stand on. But is there anyone else that has seen some form of up ramping in your offerings in your community because of COVID-19, because of the, the current uh, climate? Is anyone experiencing that? Yeah, I figured. So Derek, we're, praise God for that. I think, I think that's something huge for you guys kind of capitalizing on that. Obviously it comes with challenges, but I just want to honor you guys for jumping into that space and seeing that as an opportunity for you guys to increase your offering to the community. So I definitely wish it was under different circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Mercy Street, we'd love to hear from you guys. Tyree, Jill, challenges, one challenge, just one. Um, I would say, just um, once the quarantine was lifted a little bit for us, we were getting excited about um, matching um, kids again. And um, we were set to match one. Um, we're, we are social distancing matching outside the home, standing around. And um, the mentor was exposed to someone that had COVID. So we're like, eh, we better wait and see what happens when the test result comes back. So just kind of discouraging, like, okay, like, here we go. We've got a plan. It's safe. And then this tips, you know, so that's just on my radar right now. And today I've done a lot of, um, for the last two weeks, actually, I've done a lot of phone calls to different organizations. Um, we're moving into a new part of town um, to offer a mentoring program. And so kind of, um, contacting organizations and things like that. And it just has been really devastating to hear all of the organizations and what they're experiencing and the, the numbers of children. I mean, like, for instance, I called like a homeless ministry um, to see how many children this school we're going to specifically has a lot of children that go to a homeless shelter. So I just called to see like, how many children do you have that go to the school, et cetera. And they're like, we don't have any children right now. I'm like, what? And I normally have like a hundred children. Um, so it's just, so like, this is maybe my own, um, challenge I'm facing, but just kind of feeling discouraged of 
just how this is rocking um, terribly so many organizations that do good work. So, man, matching. It's probably good to to not match a, a guy who has coronavirus. So, go. He just you, might have been exposed. He might not have it. <laughs> Can I interject a question just on that? Of yeah. of course, we're all like, what do we do? How do we pivot? Things like that. So we we made the choice um, to when our because here it's county by county. When our county reentered phase two, we would reopen our office for staff only, <laughs> and um, and then resume making matches if both parties were comfortable. Because um, we had a couple of people like ready to match in March who have just been waiting and waiting, waiting, waiting. Like, like they were ready. Um, so I'm just curious to hear kind of more similar to what Jill alluded to. Is everybody else still kind of moving forward with matching or, or what, what have been y'all's thoughts about that? Not to like derail us too long, but. Um, I'm sorry, what's your name? Danae. Danae? Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Derek. Um, <laughs> we are, our uh, matching uh, has been pretty fun in that uh, Zoom has been pretty cool for us in, in that we make the introduction. It, it actually feels a, a little better, like a better transition. Because normally when we bring our new mentors into a space, it's there like the physical presence can be intimidating sometimes for our kids. And so the Zoom has actually been a cool transition. So it's like, if you don't like that mentor, you don't like that mentee, then you can say no, not to their face. You know, and so it's been kind of this less invasive introduction. Um, also, uh, not not only through Zoom, but uh, sort sort of some social settings uh, remotely as well. House Party is an app where you can get in there and you can play games uh, with groups, um, and so that's been pretty cool. Uh, just trying to find a way to use this time to explore different ways of mentor matching outside of putting people face to face has been really uh, productive for us. So. Uh, we have we have continued to match. We have continued to interact with our kids, and uh, they love the technology component that we've introduced in this time. It's awesome, Derek. I'm, I haven't heard of anyone using House Party, but I've seen that app before, so it can be really interesting to to do that with your kids. Or even I'm I'm envisaging because I I know House Party is like it's like Zoom but with games that you play. Exactly. So for for some organizations like us, you could potentially do a matching event where you have an initial meeting with all of your prospective mentors and all of your kids that you're um, expecting to match and allow them to interact together before you do a match yeah. so that you can let them kind of feel out uh, each other and maybe even ask the, the mentees, hey, who, who stands out to you and also the mentors? And so that could be an interesting, interesting way to do it. Um, uh, for for us, uh, I mean, we're still moving forward with our application process, but have only um, gone forward with a few matches. And so, um, and those have just been kind of situations where we, we've either had a kid that was waiting for a long time, or we had a mentor waiting for a long time. Um, but a lot of our uh, latest applications are only, um, I mean, a month old. And so, um, we're not really in a hurry. I know Donovan and Peter, they kind of mentioned in a previous call that um, the really the longest you want to wait is about six months uh, for a prospective mentor. Three months. Oh, Peter's correcting me. Okay. Well, don't wait six months then. Um, yeah. yeah, I just think in these times, people understand, though. Um, I think that's just normal in, in a normal situation. Right now, it's uh, most people really 
understand that your, your things are going to be delayed for a while. The key is of keeping them engaged, keeping the conversation with them going, making sure you're just not leaving them out in the cold, but always being in contact with regularly with the prospective mentors as they're waiting. That's great. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a challenge of keeping, keeping mentor applicants engaged during this time while you're facilitating all these other mentor relationships that are kind of on the fritz. So um, Jason, how about you guys? What, what's one challenge you guys are facing? Um, it's hard to narrow it down because there's a lot, um, but I'll just take this one. We um, have quite a few very energetic, very passionate, zealous mentors who want to spend time with their kids, um, who are some of them meeting resistance uh, from parents or guardians because uh, they're in a vulnerable population. You've got, you've got, you know, some grandmothers who are responsible for kids and, and uncles and aunts. And so there's a, there's a resistance right now and a kind of a distrust to let their children, you know, go anywhere. And so trying to find creative ways. I love what Derek said about kind of the porch idea of coming around and maybe doing some things outside. And we've made those suggestions, but just really kind of shepherding mentors during this time, keep the momentum going, keep them engaged. But at the same time, realizing that there's, you know, there's some grandmas, they ain't having it. They ain't letting their kid out the front door. And, uh, and it's hard sometimes for mentors to understand the dynamics there. And you, 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 again, you want to keep them motivated and engaged, but at the same time, you also, you know, we continually use that, that verse, esteem others higher than yourself. You may be ready. You may think everything's great, but you know, you have to, you have to think about somebody else and, and where they might be as far as their comfort level. So um, that's been a real challenge. Um, and my team is really young. So um, I'd love to be able to just entrust a lot of things for them. Uh, but at the same time, I, I find myself stepping into a lot of conversations in the day to day. That's good, Jason. So I, I want to ask, because um, I think the temptation can kind of be that on our end as an organization, we send out an email and we put forward, well, this is what we want to happen, but that doesn't account for all of the variables of each relationship and all that stuff. So how have you handled those conversations? Have you been reaching out to the families you serve and asking what's their comfortability level? And then are you reaching out to the mentors? What does that look like? Yeah, we have. We do both. Um, we try our best uh, to, from the very outset, connect with the parents or guardians and let them know, like, you can, I, we, I know this mentor is for your child, but we as an organization are responsible. So if there are any, you know, things that we need to know about, please contact us. And it's really just just trying to build bridges with the uh, with the parents and have open lines of communication. So we've, we've sent out surveys to them. How can we pray for them? Um, you know, there are various resources that are needed right now. And it's really been, you know, super encouraging as far as the fact that our kids are taken care of. That's the most important thing. Um, but again, there's mentors that are like, hey, I, I feel like they need groceries and I'm going to take them something. And, and so and operate with wisdom. Like, don't if you haven't been asked to do that. And, and so, again, as an organization, trying not to. Um, you know, we try to avoid that giver recipient relationship, um, but at the same time, we want to make sure kids are taken care of. So a lot of it's just trusting, you know, the parent or guardian, but realizing even if there is a need, sometimes it's hard for them to, to reach out and, and share that. Um, they might not want to share that with the mentor, but they, they're more willing to share it with the organization. So trying to just trying to navigate stuff that there's no manual on, <laughs> which is probably everybody on this call. Yeah, man. Well, and I, I think that is, uh, 
I mean, helpful to take leadership in that giving recipient portion as an organization so that our mentors don't either one, feel an obligation to do something, but then two, don't overstep and create weird expectations of their, their relationship. So that's great. Um, Steven, Steve, without one of the things that I've uh, talked to programs that they're doing is that they are uh, using um, a new um, release form for, and what they do is they, uh, they explain that during the current crisis, that uh, they're using these guidelines for mentoring and they put in what the mentor and kid can do and can't do and have the parent or the caregiver, the mentor, the kid and, and, and the program staff sign it. But it really kind of what it does, it lays out for the family and for the kid and the mentor what the guidelines are, what they can do and what they can't do. Um, and so I've seen that a few times here already of people doing that. And that tends to ease the, uh, the parents or the, uh, the guardian, whoever is uh, concerns at this point, but also places a strict um, guideline for them all in that process. But it also is, unfortunately, is another thing to protect for liability for the organization. Yeah, that's great. Um, if anyone has an example of that, they could forward to the group, please feel free. Um, just if anyone's interested in creating that release form. Um, hey Steve. Yep. Uh, just uh, towards Jason, man. I'm not sure how young your kids are, or your mentors are, um, but man, a lot of these, uh, our younger mentors are pretty tech savvy. Um, and I know we can't do face-to-face -face stuff just yet if they're not doing that, but uh, we had uh, a couple people that were um, musicians. And so they would have the kids uh, make songs with them remotely. And so I make this track, I sing you the track, you record vocals yeah. over it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like just things like that. Um, they, they make these little movie clips together where you record yourself doing something and then you send it in and then we put it all together and together remotely, we've made a movie. There's an app called Boise where you can record yourself singing and then you post it and then other people can either harmonize or sing with you, right? So there's all these little, these things that you can do remotely that, you know, if we were all together, we would make music but we're not all together, so we have to do it distantly. So I think that uh, what this season has forced us to do is to be creative in how we connect. Because I know as, mentor, as mentors, we rely so much on the face-to-face -face and in-person interaction, but the kids that we're mentoring aren't necessarily doing that right now. We also have some gamers, and they get on Smash Bros, and they get on all these little video games when they play games together remotely. Uh, what's the, the, uh, the box? Um, Minecraft like Minecraft parties where they share worlds and stuff. So it's like, they're still hanging out because if we were sitting side by side, we'd probably just be playing video games anyway, right? And so I think this, this season has forced us to connect. And I know we want to be in their presence and I know we want to see their face and hear their laughs, but I think being creative and maintaining that relationship has really forced us in a unique place during the season. That's good, Derek. Um, <clears throat> this, kind of, this question kind of brought up a lot of new things that we're doing. Um, and so maybe we can glaze over the second question. If you, I mean, are there any new things that haven't already been communicated on the call that, that you'd like to share with the group that you guys are doing? Stephen, from a lot of the programs I'm speaking with is that they're seeing uh, a challenge and an opportunity. Uh, I hate to put it in all that way, but with the current uh, racial issues uh, around George Floyd, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that I just do with 
the people is just, especially uh, people of color, is just ask them how they are doing in that right now and how what what is the effect on them. Um, and it doesn't matter what they uh, where they're coming from, but it's just I just ask them how how this has all affected them, and they usually share a lot of their own history with it. But they're using this as an opportunity to train mentors on a cultural competency. And it is, uh, they're seeing this as probably the, the biggest opportunity they've ever had, some of them, in, um, because people are much more open to it now than they've ever been um, on, on, on every level. So I, I see this, uh, this period of time that uh, uh, through tragedy, God's opened maybe a door for all of us um, and to deal with it personally and within our organizations. Uh, but I think the, what everyone is telling me is when I ask them that question is, I say everyone, people of color, they, they're saying the most important thing for mentors and for people like me to do is just listen and not make any comments. Just listen, ask questions and listen. That's really good, Peter. We're going to talk about that in more detail in the, the next question, but I, I mean, I think it is definitely the biggest opportunity right now for mentoring organizations. Anything, anything else, new things that you guys are doing? I was just going to throw out, I mean, over the past few months, so we, um, of course, like everyone, you know, and we shared a lot of virtual ideas from previous months that we were all uh, kind of doing the same kind of things of, you know, Zoom calls and Zoom parties and tutoring on Zoom and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Last summer, we took time to do more group events. And that was why we actually created this position for this summer is for group events, which is like such an ironic time to say, let's gather in groups. Um, so I guess uh, that's kind of like a new summer thing that we, a new thing that we do in the summers. Um, and so we are, um, you know, trying to have those conversations and, you know, um, finding that blend of, we will probably still do some Zoom things uh, like we've done in the past few months, um, but then we'll probably also uh, try, and Annalise will come up with some uh, activities that we can gather and do like a hike, um, you know, like a yoga in the park that she can lead and, you know, like stuff like that. So, um, you know, we're trying, knowing that like, everybody is zoomed out and everybody is tired <laughs> and um and, and then just even some of the local challenges that we face of many of our mentees still don't have internet at home or devices um you know they don't they don't have apps they don't have you know all that so it's just been hard and then many of our mentees are like out wandering the streets and even if you had a time set up with them you can't <laughs> they're not going to get on a, a call um and uh so you know trying to give folks the opportunity of as as our lockdown is is releasing a little bit can we social distance and still um re-engage in some way so um that's what we're trying to accomplish this summer um hopefully it's awesome something we we've considered is uh doing a bible study with our group most kind of churches life groups community groups kind of die down during the summer i'm sure most of them probably with this whole COVID deal are going to probably keep consistent and meeting online and we we've just been thinking about how can we connect our family, the families of our organization together in some meaningful way and to do a Bible study together is, is something we're considering um, from a, a group perspective. Um, we are doing a book study, um, which is connected to our racial reconciliation resources. We're gonna read um, a book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? 
which is a book a lot about fostering a racial identity um, in the life of youth. And, and so we're, we're interested in having that discussion with our group. It's not a Christian book, but it's uh, a researched book about kids growing up in diverse schools that have grown up in segregated neighborhoods, which that kind of fits the bill for all of the kids that we're um, mentoring. So um, would love to hear from you guys, what resources kind of based off of what Peter even said, just how are you um, jumping into this opportunity? I know that sounds weird that we would approach this issue in an opportunistic way, but I do think it's, it's clear that people are more open than they've ever been to talk about race relations and to be open to learn. Um, at the same time, you might also be experiencing some conversations that are extremely difficult in people's opinions uh, about uh, this issue. But I'd love to hear from you guys. As an organization, what, uh, what resources are you offering your community and your uh, volunteers when it, as it relates to racial reconciliation? Well, I'll, 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 I'll jump in and I, I hesitate for a second because I don't know you all well. And I think a, a, a very important factor in all this is that there's established trust in relationships where, mm. you know, we can be open. And unfortunately, we live in a throwaway culture. So if you disagree with something, you're unfriended and you're, you know, you're not far enough along or naive or stupid or, or, or racist or what have you. Um, but um, I grew up in Washington, D.C., Chocolate City. Um, I was, you know, one of the few white kids in my neighborhood and uh, probably the only one. And um, my wife, who I've been married to for 16 years, is African-American, and she's the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion as a Christian at a secular major university here in Birmingham. So we talk about this every day for hours and hours. And we have, um, through, our, through the Aspire movement, we've shared a number of books. Um, and I think it's important for people to read and learn. I also think it's important for us as a faith-based organization to continue to put forward a, a biblical gospel worldview. And my hesitancy with a lot of the books that are out there, I want people to read them, but I want people to understand, and we've kind of couched this, is a lot of them put forward man-made ideologies, and, and some of them are religious in their very nature. And a lot of the things out there now, while we need to read and understand and learn, actually don't have solutions. They're, they're devoid of solutions. They will stir up, they will make you think critically, but sometimes they're not offering solutions because again, I think that if we're all faith-based and we're all Christ-centered, we know what the solution is, but we also know that the church, unfortunately, throughout history hasn't been on the right side of the solution. So uh, I think, it's, I think it's, it's a challenge for all of us to navigate. We've, we've given a lot of resources. We've, that was one of the books we recommended um, in addition to about 15 other books, but I think it involves a lot of it involves a lot of conversations with our mentors, um, sitting down, um, letting them hear from from various people's experiences. Um, but man, it's just it, it 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 cries for humility. The the ability, what Peter said, the ability to listen and not respond, the ability to just process and pray and lament um, and say, you know what, none of us have it all figured out. Um, but but whatever happens, I'm not leaving you. And so. That's kind of what we've been trying to share with mentors is like, listen, stay in there and fight. You might offend. You might say something offensive. Ask for forgiveness. You're going to get offended maybe, you know, then guess what? Forgive and love. And, and it really comes back to, a, to kind of a gospel framework. But um, 
I just, I just remind everybody that every single human being is unique and they all have a little different slant on things that have happened to them experientially. They've all read different books. They've all kind of, you know, they're in different places and let's stop trying to put everybody in a category of A or B and um, help people kind of think through the issue as opposed to, you know, Hey, let's go do something. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my two cents. That's great, Jason. I love it. Um, anyone have any questions for Jason? Um, just even hearing kind of his experience and background. Everyone, everyone has a list of books that they recommend. Jason, where can we find your, your list of books? I'll send it to uh, Stephen. And I mean, it's probably a lot of books you're familiar with and then some that, that maybe you're not so familiar with. I mean, I'm amazed there's a book, Slavery by Another Name, which really is the history of the prison system in the South. And uh, I mean, you can't read that book and not weep. It, it just, you know, and that's part, I think that's part of what we're trying to do is, is break down the idea that, you know, America, while it had some great principles, was this flawless, perfect nation that God so ordained. Uh, uh, um, conversation, listen, I live in Alabama, y'all, like the, the seatbed of Trump and Republicanism, and, and, and some people are not outright racist they're just nationalist and they think that america's you know the most wonderful thing ever and so they're you know what i what i would call american christians as opposed to christians who happen to live in america and i'm sure y'all don't deal with any of that um but i'll send you i'll send Stephen the list well yeah i mean i can't think of alabama without thinking of brian stevenson and uh just all the work that he's done thank uh, god for him man <laughs> just mercy wrecked me um, the book as well as the movie. So I highly recommend all of our mentors watch that and, and read the book. Um, that was well put. Just want to tell you, thank you very much for sharing it. Anybody else? What, what uh, resources, and, and maybe you already have been offering resources in your training and your pre-service training for mentors on cultural competency, um, on, on understanding these issues before they jump in to mentor relationships, but just would love to hear anything you guys are offering. Well, I'll just jump in and say, like, I don't have a bunch to add. Humbly, I'm eager to hear everyone else's thoughts. And um, we've kind of felt torn, or at least myself being from Texas and and then living in Pendleton, which is different. Um, and so, like, personally felt torn and emotional and all these things and um hard to engage with the local culture since I'm like not from here and think differently and you know things like that so that's just like a personal thing but um I would say we we haven't necessarily known how or what to offer our mentors or, or encourage our mentors just because um of our uh demographics around here and um so anyway all that to say uh I'm eager to hear different ideas. I mean, we certainly talk about um, having cross-cultural learner mentality in our training. And um, we we do offer, I mean, just our demographics are different, that it's 97% white around here. And uh, so it's just, it's just a weird, for me, it's weird, sorry, different uh, sort of dynamic. But we do, even Annalise and I were talking this morning of, um, you know, Mentor, uh, National Mentoring Resource Center has um, some training on, uh, I think it's a webinar and, and handouts on uh, supporting and inspiring Native youth. And so we do try to provide that for our mentors that are going to be um, mentoring Native American youth. Um, I mean, we, we don't have any 
uh, black mentors or mentees um, because it's there's zero percent of our population <laughs> statistic wise in Pendleton, um, but we do have Native American um, mentees and 14% of our young people in the schools are Native American. And so, you know, we're trying to, um, each mentor that we match with the Native American youth, we have a one-on-one -on -one, like conversation about that in the pre-match meeting of you're mentoring a, a Native American young person. So like, what does that mean? What can you learn about their culture? Like, can you go to the reservation and go to the museum? Can you go to powwows with them? You may be, you know, one of the few white people there, but what does that look like for you to learn about their culture and um, and even some of the mentees we have that are um, mixed races of like, if they're wanting to get in touch with their Native American heritage, can you help them and, um, you know, support that in them as they're trying to connect to their roots and stuff. And so, um, again, kind of a different topic, um, but certainly um, something that as, as racial conversations are coming up, we've at least personally, I've thought a lot through of how could we be doing this better. And and then um, Todd up in the Tri-Cities did a, a Zoom training with his mentors and uh, just kind of a check-in, a group thing, and they covered racial reconciliation. So we just asked him if we could collaborate on that um, since he was covering that topic. So we invited all of our mentors to that. And Jordan, and um, we, we invited all of our mentors. I think one of our mentors went to that. And so they were able to kind of tune into what Todd was presenting on that topic. And Awesome, Danae. Um, I'm... I have to get off of this call pretty soon, um, but I feel like it would be uh, a disservice for me not to talk on just some resources that are out there. Um, and I'm, t I'm telling you guys these things tentatively because we're still kind of working on some things on our end uh, as an organization. Um, so as I tell you some of these resources, um, take them all with a grain of salt. Uh, if you get a chance to check them out, uh, I think that they are, um, Christian, biblical, and uh, very um, extensive in, in some, some different things. Uh, so uh, there, if depending on where you are on the spectrum in regards to if you'd like to read or if you prefer um, just like listening to podcasts, um, kind of have kind of like my, my holy trinity of podcasts that I like to listen to. Um, some of you guys might know a few of them. Uh, one kind of the biggest one right now is uh pass the mic there is a uh, jew three project uh as well as um truth table um these are uh great men and women of the faith uh, uh who have kind of spent some time extensively going into these different topics um i know for impact pendleton you guys may not have any african-american mentors or mentees uh Whew, this, one, this one might be a little rough, um, but if you wanted to look into like historical things, um, there is a podcast by the name of Seeing White. Um, that is a, uh, it's a really intense one. Uh, kind of go back to what Jason was saying, like it's not a Christian one. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I think in regards to this conversation of trying to uh, bring about racial reconciliation and everything like that. Uh, there's just a lot of very real hard conversations uh, that are needing to have, needing to be had. Um, we're in Dallas, so that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother interestingly woven story uh, to put it lightly. Um, so there are podcasts, uh, Anybody who knows me is I always recommend uh, the app Scribd. 
that is just an audio book uh, app. I call it the Spotify for audiobooks. Um, I talk about them so much, they should give me a check. Um, but there's some really good books on there. Uh, there's The Color of Compromise. I don't know how, any peop how people may feel about that book. Um, there is Stamp from the Beginning. Color of Compromise is the Christian, more concise version of Stamp from the Beginning. Uh, that book is like this thick. Um, yeah, so you got Color of Compromise. Um, there's also, uh, yep, there's also uh, Healing Racial Trauma um, that I just recently read by uh, Sheila Rowe, and that's a, a really good one. Um, so these are just good resources. Um, like I said, we're still working through how to have this conversation, how to get some different resources out there uh, to different people. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, being in Dallas is a, it's a very interesting conversation. It's a very hard conversation to have. Um, I think also, even with kind of a lot, a lot of the divide with different things, um, we are uh, doing our best to be faithful and honest in it. So um, Jew 3 Project, Pass the Mic, uh, and Truth Tables are really good ones. Um, I feel like Jew 3 Project is probably more along the apologetic side. Um, and I think they do a, a good job of being really uh, exhaustive. Um, and this is a small tidbit. Um, they connected uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer to uh, the church uh, in Harlem that he studied under, um, which inspired a lot of uh, his faith and his growth. Um, if it, you guys may not know, uh, he studied in Harlem during the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance, which is a pretty like significant time uh, for Black people. Uh, so anyway, I don't want to go on the ramble, but those are some good uh, resources if you guys would like to read through, pass on. Um, so on and so forth. So, yeah. It's really good, Terry. Terry, would you be willing just to share any pr thoughts or prayer requests that you might have at this time, or just where you're at? Uh, yeah. Um, I would. I would just say, uh, uh, just me personally, just praying for my mental health uh, and communicating all of this. It's really hard. Um, it's really, really hard. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It's really hard. Um, and just to, to pray for Mercy Street, that we are just kind of given the wisdom on how to communicate all of this. Being somebody who, I'm originally from Houston, but being somebody who's been in kind of the DFW area for a long time, and kind of having a lot of the history of Dallas you know, kind of be unearthed to me a lot more recently. Um, it's kind of been a tough pill to swallow. I mean, yesterday we kind of did a bike ride and um, as an organization and just kind of talking about just a lot of the systemic racism that's still being overcome. Um, so, yes, I, I, honestly, I, I would just, I would say just prayer for uh, the truth to be revealed and that the truth to be out and um, just that people would be willing to live with that truth because um, uh, stuff isn't happening in vacuums. Stuff isn't, 
isn't as compartmentalized as people like to think. Um, and so just, yeah. So just pray for us to communicate honestly and faithfully um, in that regard. So, yes. And thank you, Peter, for, for asking. Well, Tyree, I, I would love to have uh, time with you sometime just where you could define the truth, as you said there, because I think where, uh, you know, that's the thing that uh, we all struggle with a lot. And, and you could add a lot to that conversation, I think, and help us all. And I don't want to put you in that kind of position where you have to, but you said that term, the yeah. truth, but it just, yeah. that was just real helpful, just getting that, just even hearing that. I said, I need to find out what that is from you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'd love to uh, have that conversation and we can email back and forth. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll send you my, my personal email in a few minutes for you to be able to email me back and forth. Thank you. Yeah. So great guys. <clears throat> we have a few minutes left. Uh, I was going to just recommend to, to you guys, something that I've been doing is I'll send a specific episode of a podcast, not just a podcast, um, which both of those can be great. But I think if you send a specific episode, you can have um, a specific conversation. And so would highly encourage you guys to, um, if you're giving your resources to your, your um, volunteers as well as to your families, um, I, I'd recommend going that extra step of personability of, I've listened to this, could you listen? And oh, I'd love to talk about it. And I've, I've used a, an app, oh gosh, what is it called? It's a texting app, it's called Hit 'em Up, H-I-T-E-M-U-P. Um, and it allows you to send a group text. Um, so whether you create a list of all of your mentors you could send them a personal text message that explains something. Cause I know all of us, we want to be as personable as possible. Sometimes it can feel really lame to receive a generic templated text message. And that app has helped me to stay personal, to start conversations as well as uh, when you have this kind of setup where you could want to talk to somebody about it, but they're not available for an extended period of time, just to, to hit up uh, a group of your mentors with a resource. I think it's been, it's been a really helpful uh, resource for me. I was, I was going to mention a few things just as an encouragement to organizations that don't necessarily have the ability to match natural mentor relationships. So say you have a black kid mentoring uh, a black mentor, mentoring a black kid. Not all of us are going to be able to do that uh, on a consistent basis. And there's a lot of studies that just show that kids having a mentor that looks like them, that understands their culture, that is in their community, that's, that's huge and can help kids develop uh, racial identity. But for most of us, we're not gonna be able to do that. Though that is discouraging, what is also great is some research that I found is that frequency of time spent together, consistency in the relationship, and the level of trust is more important than race. It's more important than social class. Another thing I, I read was that racial similarity does not impact trust levels long-term. So it may affect the short-term, but it doesn't affect the long-term of the relationship. And so for any mentor from a historically white background mentoring a black kid, for them to hear, hey, if you're in this relationship for the long-term, your racial differences aren't going to affect the level of trust that this kid feels in your relationship. And then obviously there's other research about cross-racial relationships actually being beneficial to exposing kids to different cultures, as well as beneficial to exposing mentors to different cultures. And just acknowledging that even if your relationships are cross-racial, you're helping 
your mentees develop racial and ethnic identities even within that because they're having to come to terms with my life is different than your life. And so uh, I just want to share those things just as an encouragement for you guys to really our, our role is to acknowledge the facts as well as encourage our mentors and understanding that those differences aren't, they are a barrier, but they're not the, the barrier for relationship. Really, um, I, I just, I'm, I'm speaking hope into all of our mentor relationships who are feeling like, man, this just feels like I'm, I'm set back a few steps or I've lost trust because of what's going on in the news. And something that we did, uh, we sent a survey out to all of our families asking them how, are you experiencing all of this stuff? And every single mom responded to us with either a paragraph or a page of how they're experiencing this uh, personally, how their kids are experiencing it. And out of that survey, we were just like, we need to gather, we need to pray, and we need to give our parents and guardians uh, a platform to share the things that we're getting in this Google spreadsheet. And so we hosted a, a prayer vigil and had our mom share that was really powerful for all of our mentors who came to that event to hear those experiences and more of a, a vulnerable atmosphere of not kind of like we're saying, okay, we want you to write this out and then you can only share that. We, we just raw emotion, let them share from the hip what they wanted our, our community to hear. And so we just encourage those conversations to happen, whether it's one-on-one -on -one as well as within a group environment, just to elevate people's voices, to allow uh, us to understand people in a better way. And so um, that's all the time that we have, but would obviously encourage um, everyone to share those resources so I can get them out in a follow-up email. Um, I would love to just close our time in prayer. So Donovan, you've been pretty quiet this whole time, but would love to ask you just to, to pray for our mentoring organizations as we finish up and as you finish up your, your vacation in the Grand Canyon, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just pray um, that, yeah, I mean, all the challenges that we're facing, God would open up opportunities. Just like how the Apostle Paul talks about that he's praying that God would open up a door. And I think clearly we're recognizing that there's some doors opened, even if it feels like they're just specific challenges. And so I'd love if you prayed that over us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just come to you. We're so grateful for the amazing love and mercy and grace that you've shown each of us. Uh, we need you at this time. We ask that you would just guide us and direct us, Lord, with um, your spirit, your word, your community. Lord, just help us, Lord, to have your heart and your mind uh, in every day, but especially in these times that uh, we're facing right now in our nation. Lord, just help us um, to really love and serve well and to be faithful at this time. I, I thank you for each of these organizations. Thank you for the way that you're using them, the way that you're at work. And I pray that you just continue to guide and direct them and um, just ask that your will be done. And um, really just lift up the kids and families and mentors that we, we get to work with. And uh, we just pray for them today. Lord, please draw them to yourself and um, just help us to know how we can be an encouragement and how we can um, just direct them to you, Lord Jesus. And I, I just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, thanks for jumping on the call, guys. And Impact Pendleton, we bless you in your transitions. May God have his favor upon you guys as, as y'all transition roles. And just we're so excited for y'all. So thank y'all for joining the call. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve, and did another great job. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys.